0: Welcome to another edition of Central Indiana Today with me, Shane Ray. I am your host. Thanks for joining us. Special show tonight. Of course, I say that every time because, uh, well, they all seem special. But we're going to be talking with our old friend John Mulan of Hope Healthcare, getting an update on uh, how they are doing now after the pandemic and what they did to prepare for the pandemic or the procedures that they went through during the pandemic and we do want to remind you that Hope Healthcare Services is a nonprofit organization, so they are our nonprofit spotlight, and that is underwritten by the Republican newspaper. We'll also be talking with Phil Margo, the late Phil Margo, if you will. We lost Phil Margo of the group The Tokens back in November. Now, in case you're wondering who The Tokens are, you're most familiar with their hit song The Lion Sleeps Tonight, but there was a whole lot more to Phil Margo. And I interviewed him several years back. And while we have uh, played that interview a couple of times over the years, I'm just going to play you some highlights as a tribute to the late Phil Margol So you keep it right here on 98.9 FM. And don't forget we are streaming on WYRZ.org for Central Indiana Today.
1: Central Indiana Today. Shane Ray talks with the newsmakers in and around Hendricks County. And now your host, Shane Ray. Well, as I told you, we have John
0: Milan. He is with us on the phone. Now, he has been here before, so that's not, uh, he's not new to the WYRZ listening audience, but we haven't talked with him for a long time. He is the executive director at Hope Healthcare services, and we'll get kind of a um, uh, the elevator speech, if you will, about Hope Healthcare Services. First, how is John? John
1: is doing great. Glad to hear it. I can't remember the last time we talked. It's been a while. On the radio, that's correct. Um, <laughs> yes. Obviously, we see each other in person quite a bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we'll, let's go ahead and remind everyone what is Hope Healthcare Services.
1: Hope Healthcare Services is a medical and dental clinic serving anyone without. Insurance without health insurance. So that means if you have no medical insurance, that means no VA, no Medicare, no Medicaid, no private insu- medical insurance, and no private dental insurance. So the number one question we get is, "Hey, I have medical insurance, but I don't have dental." At this time, that's you're not a candidate at Hope Healthcare. So we're trying to catch people who are falling through the cracks with really um, no insurance support. And we have, other than that, there's no geographic restrictions. There's no age restrictions. Um, if you are without insurance, you may come to Hope Healthcare. We also have, in addition to medical and dental services, and then we've got some specialty services. We have mental health counseling that's available. And then we get great discounts on lab work, imaging, you know, x-rays, those kind of things, uh, prescription assistance, um, so kind of anything around that medical-dental.
0: Now, that's quite... Quite uh, a span there of all the stuff you guys offer.
1: Uh, remind
0: me again, how did Hope Health Care Services start?
1: Hope Health Care Services started under the name Kingsway Community Care Center when a physician at Kingsway Christian Church approached the um, leadership of the church with the idea of starting the clinic. Uh, the church had actually had a vision of doing something like this for quite a while, um, and now with the physician who was inquiring about it, they certainly had the means to get started.
0: And remind me, of when, when did uh, Hope Healthcare Services start?
1: That started in, I, I'd say that the real germ of the idea when they got together was probably late 2003. By the time they incorporated and then opened the doors, it was June of 2005.
0: Now, fast forward, and we have the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, had Ho- Hope Healthcare Services ever seen anything like that? uh like the pandemic any time before COVID nineteen?
1: No, not at all. Um you know, we were only open since two thousand five and no, that that was very unique for sure.
0: Yeah. All right, well let's talk about uh how how you guys uh handled the pandemic because no one knew what was going on as far as what is this thing. Uh, with COVID-19. So, uh, you know, some people are shutting their doors completely. Some people are just taking precautions. What did you guys do?
1: No, that's a great question. Um, our clinical services manager at the time, a guy named Chet Linson, was, um, he actually had his, his MD, uh, but he had not gotten a license, so he was... Um, well-qualified to kind of make some decisions. Again, he couldn't see patients because he was out without a license, but he was a graduate of a medical school. So um, that was a great asset. So he was following some of the information that was out there and obviously it was coming fast and furious for all of us. But one of the first things we did was um, we did shut the door, but we didn't close. Um, one of the biggest impacts personally on us was many of our administrative volunteers up front who were dedicated people they were really unpaid staff they had taken ownership of their roles uh they'd been in it for years they were very good at what they did and most of them were retirees who were over age 65 so they all left us the same day hmm. um that was a huge impact um so suddenly we were very short staff uh because again we just relied on those volunteers um so at that point um we did a lot of different things, but one of the things that we did uh, was we reached out to students. Now, we had had students here before, and we weren't really enthusiastic about having students in the past. We had some from time to time. We certainly didn't rely on them. But quite honestly, um, Avon had approached us about a program, uh, Avon High School, with some of their seniors who were interested in health care, and we offered to take on one student. Um, a student named Lexi Carmack, and she was five stars. Um, They come for uh, generally two um, of their class sessions per per day. So it could be morning, could be uh, the uh, last two of the day. And she was so good, we began really to open up the students, which was also good because we were shifting to, uh, incorporating a lot of technology to deal with this. For example, I said we shut the front door, but we got a video doorbell. So patients would announce themselves through the video doorbell. Then we would let them in one at a time. We really didn't have a waiting room open for people to sit and congregate. We would take their blood pressure and, and uh, their temperature, which was very common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had a series of questions to kind of uh, screen for COVID because there was no treatment for COVID. So there wasn't much we could do except send them home or to the ER if their symptoms were severe. But the video doorbell was one. Um we began um, telehealth immediately. You know, we signed up for a uh, uh, service that's uh, HIPAA compliant and began to do a lot of visits, uh, especially things like um, prescription refills for somebody who we had seen in the past. So we limited the people that did come in, and and if they needed to, we certainly did. But now everyone was wearing masks, patients and staff alike. We did a lot more cleaning, not that we didn't clean before, but perhaps, you know, if you touch that, we're cleaning it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we even did car side visits, um, almost like you see at restaurants where you pull up and you tell us what number you're in, and we could go out and check blood pressure quickly and and temperature and things like that. So we had some car side visits we instituted for a while. Um, and again, one of the benefits of having students, and again, we've continued with students who've been phenomenal. Um, is that they are very tech-savvy. <laughs>
2: so,
1: uh, And, again, I'm not, I'm not putting down our, our senior adult uh, volunteers who were here previously. I'm 63 myself, so, you know, they run circles around us and teach us many, many things. So uh, it was great. So the timing of that really was kind of advantageous because we've, we've got, done away with the video doorbell now or waiting for this back open. But we've maintained things like uh, telehealth as an option. It's certainly not the only solution, and for every patient, but that's increased our geographic um, reach a bit as well. If people may have transportation problems, you know, we may be able to do a, a video session for someone at a distance, and uh, or for other circumstances, transportation problems. So really, it it we came out of this a much better clinic um, with new services to offer, um, uh, technology. Uh, we switched uh, EM, uh, electronic health records software in the midst of that we instituted uh, dental electronic health uh, dental records um, we, we institute we put in some air filtration systems uh, especially um, in the dental area with uh, airborne particulates and things like that and our dental folks were pretty much you know n95 gowns um, even shields at some point it was the, their call, but, um, you know, N95 masks were, were used. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were quite a few changes, but the overall, uh, again, I think we were a stronger clinic, and, and there was not one day we were closed due to some heroic efforts by staff, not named me. <laughs>
0: uh, when do you, Can you remember when uh, you actually opened the front door again uh, for and did away with the uh, video bell?
1: Um, I do not. Um, I would say that would probably be late or late. Maybe the third quarter of twenty twenty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, again we would still let people in, but it it's kind of a one at a time situation.
2: Yeah. Or
1: someone that maybe did a translator or somebody that was accompanying a patient. But again, we would meet them right there at the door and, and we moved kind of the triage right to the front door. So they would just take one step in, shut the door, and then we would test them and ask them questions mm-hmm. and screen. Since then,
0: everything uh, running as pretty much as it should be? Uh, no uh, extreme precautions having to be taken so far like in the past?
1: No, we maintain the cleaning. We've maintained the air filtration. We've maintained the mask, um, that type of thing. We still have uh, telehealth as an option, as I said. So, um, so some of what we've kept, again, telehealth we're not using as extensively by any stretch because there is certainly value in, you know, seeing a patient in person and talking to them and
2: right. looking them
1: eye to eye, um, you know, feeling, does this hurt, you know, is this here? So, uh, but yeah, still an option, still used. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, like I said, just better with, with more options for patients right now. Yeah. It's a good thing.
0: And it, uh, I should have, uh, when I asked that question, I should have said because of uh, the new variants of covid uh, Nineteen. you probably have to stay on top of when they say, okay, now there's a new one coming, it's Delta. Okay, now there's a new one coming, it's uh, Omni, whatever. You know, I mean, uh, and there's probably going to be more. Do you guys say, okay, everybody brace yourself, let's keep an eye on this? Or do you, uh, what or what goes through your mind and, and what observations do you have to make?
1: Well, the good news is, you know, the people seeing them are, are medical professionals. So they're licensed medical professionals. So we, we really just rely on them. And um, but yeah, we we still um, will screen for temperature, um, and then ask a series of questions, and and the symptoms as they may vary, um, the questions may change a bit. But uh, most people, I think, are are pretty used to having those questions asked now.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, certainly understand that. All right, now if folks uh, want more information, perhaps feel like they need to come to Hope Health Care Services. What can they do?
1: Uh, the easiest way would be to call us, and that's what we really encourage. Um, the reason is we have a number of specialists that volunteer, so you may have a specific need, um, that, and we can explain on the phone kind of how to get started. It's not a complex procedure. But they should call 317-272-0708. And really, we have two messages, and I appreciate uh, being on today, Shane. One is we're here. A lot of people have never heard of hotel <laughs> care services. Um, I've had people that literally live down the street that have no idea what we did here. Um, we changed our outside signing for that reason when I found out that. Um, but we, we're here, if you're uninsured, that's why we're here. So we exist to serve you. But number two, if you're uninsured, most people that are uninsured are, are not thinking, boy, I think I'll just go to the doctor. Um, but we have we have caught recently very severe cases of cancers, of, um, you know, diabetes that was out of control, blood pressures that were out of control, literally Mm. life-threatening, and because they put it off until they didn't feel good, some of the symptoms arose, so what I'd say is if you're uninsured, most people think, oh, I can't, I'm not going to go into a doctor, it's $150 a visit, it's, you know, a couple hundred dollars to get your lab work done, you know, it's $30 for your initial visit here, and after that, you can see a specialist for $10. You know, our lab work, our our, our radiology, our um, uh, prescription medication we can get are extremely inexpensive. You're talking about 10% of the market price. Um, You know, we've got people like neurologists that can help with, um, you know, migraines. Again, we've got mental health counseling. We've got women's services. We've got a physical therapist. We've got, you know, pediatricians and um, just a number of different services. I'm going to forget some here but um we got to have a urologist so you know so number one is know that we're here but number two come in right away even if you don't feel bad let's find out if there's something that that may be happening that, that you're not aware of due to symptoms and then we could get you started on a program and if you are okay hey great you've got a medical home someone that knows you someone that's got your records and then you know come back in six months or a year, and have another checkout.
0: And we want to remind everyone, Hope Healthcare Services is a nonprofit, so uh, donations are always welcome, right?
1: Absolutely. Donations and volunteers. Um, and we have staffing needs now, like most businesses, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we
1: don't hang that shingle out to say, you know, help wanted, because it's very specific. Right. We have a staff dentist now. Um, congratulations to her. She's had a baby boy, and she's on maternity leave. So <laughs> <laughs> we still have our volunteer dentist. So we're, we're open for, and, and the board has approved payment for another staff dentist one day per week. We are looking for a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner for one day a week. These are paid positions. And a dental assistant uh, for one or two days a week. It will be two when we get the second dentist. Um, so those openings are, are available. Also, uh, bookkeeper administrative assistant for 15 to 20 hours a week. There's a non-licensed position. But, um, so, yeah, four or five openings currently. Again, paid positions to work here and uh, treat patients and um, just, yeah, do some good in the community.
0: All right. Sounds good. Oh, that is John Milan. He is the Executive Director at Hope Healthcare Services. Look at it right here in Hendricks County. And, of course, if you missed any of the information, you can give me a call here at the radio station, 317-852-1610. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to get you in touch with John. He's going to help you out ASAP,
1: right? That sounds great. You can also go to myhopehealth.org. All right. John, thanks for being our guest today. Shane, thank you for having me.
0: Hope Healthcare Services is our nonprofit spotlight, and that is underwritten by The Republican Newspaper. We'll be back right after this. Finding out what your town council, school board, or county commissioners are up to can be accomplished with the Republican newspaper in Danville. Started in 1847, they've been providing local news, sports, features, and more. Subscribing to the paper is possible by calling 317-745-2777, and they can be followed on Facebook by searching for The Republican. As I told you in the beginning... We're going to play some highlights from an interview I did with the late Phil Margot of the group The Tokens uh, from several years ago. Like I said, we lost Phil in November of this year, and this interview has been played a couple of times over the years. But this time, I'm just going to feature some highlights that I found were most interesting concerning the career of The Tokens and how they worked with Carol King, as well as the big lawsuit that took place with George Harrison i have on the phone with me phil margo i have to call him phil he's making me call him phil i can't call him mr margo so well
3: i'm a little the only people who call me mr margo uh, i don't know who called me mr margo anymore (laughs) you know i guess i guess you know medicare says you're mr margo when
0: you get that in the mail it's mr margo yes right All right, Phil, well, uh, just to kind of introduce the the folks that are listening at home, uh, you were a member of the Tokens, which has their the best-known hit for the Tokens, of course, is The Lion Sleeps Tonight, which never seems to go away, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Why don't you tell us how the Tokens started?
3: Okay, well... My, my, I was a kind of a, a very unexceptional kid You know, I was I was as average as you could be I was, you know so A B was, was like elevation to me If I got a B in anything, you know <laughs> So, um, in high school I was kind of run-of-the-mill And didn't care much about it And I started a little band And we worked in the Catskill Mountains And when I got back My drummer left the band Because his father won the lottery Twice in a row Wow Yes, so I mean, you can't make this stuff up, <laughs> and and so the new drummer, new Hank Madress, who was in Daryl and the Oxfords at the time, had a group on roulette, and wanted to produce, a, produce other acts, and we did a, a version, my brother and I did a version of Chopsticks, mm-hmm. and... Um, Chopsticks, like a boogie-woogie version, it didn't come off, but Hank thought that the two of us had some talent, and we started writing together, and that's when we wrote Please Write, and Tonight I Fell in Love, and we got Jay Siegel, who was in Daryl and the Oxfords as well, to join us, and then he, and we recorded Tonight I Fell in Love in in 1960 in the summer, and along with that, we did a demo of a kind of goofy thing called Wimoway. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and um, the record was released, uh, we called ourselves Those Guys originally, That's what we wanted to have a, a distinctive name, but the guy at the record label said that he didn't like that name, and we went to the Tokens, because the guy, Morty Craft at the record label had the original group on Melba Records, so that's how we got to the name, the Tokens. You know, we would have called ourselves anything to get the record out. Mm-hmm. It came out, it was in the top 15, which was nice, and then uh we went to RCA when we showed them the demo they said this, this they, said they would like the demo of when but they thought it needed lyrics and they gave us the lyrics at the day of the session which is 72761 okay? okay so 7272011 will be 50 years to the day that we recorded the Lions Sleeps tonight and they gave us the lyric, we made up the melody, Un- unfortunately we never got credit, you know, the melody that went with the lyric, mm-hmm. and the rest is kind of history.
0: Let's back up just a little though, uh, you start out on Warwick Records in 61 with the Tokens, you were talking yep. about Tonight I Fell In Love, you got to get on American Bandstand with that.
3: Yes, that was amazing. I mean, after we recorded the song, and it was it was going to be released, and then he didn't like the name, so he held it up. But then he finally released it, and (laughs) and we didn't see each other. The guys who made the record, you know, Jay and I and Mitch, Mm -hmm. well, Mitch and Mitch and I are brothers, so of course we saw each other. Sure, but we hardly saw Jay and Hank. And then one night, Hank came by the house with the record you know, which we went crazy, you know, because you, I mean, you, you know, the, the movie um, um, that Tom Hanks made, you know, about the group. Uh, do, uh, whatever, that thing you do. That thing you do. <laughs> that scene where they saw the record it was so true. I mean, I, you look at it and you say, "Oh my God!" I mean, don't forget, I'm, I was a civilian buying records, and now all of a sudden, that's my record. Uh-huh. But but with that excitement comes the hope that hey, maybe it'll be a hit. You know, that's what happened. <laughs> that's and of course, the first time I heard it on the radio in the car of my father's uh, oldsmobile, we went gaga. You know. So then, you
0: remember the first time you heard it on the radio? Oh
3: yes, it was in my father's car. We went crazy, just like they did, running down the street. It was so it was so reminiscent of the. Truth, you know, because we, you know, any kid. Don't forget, my brother was fourteen and I was nineteen. You know, and and, and we so were kids still, still basically.
0: teenagers making yes, this we kind were. of splash. Yeah,
3: and it was just extraordinary. To oh my, that's our song, and it was only, you know, it only ran a minute and thirty nine seconds. It was probably one of the shortest records in history. <laughs> And and because of it, they kind of stuck it in right before the news, or right after, you know, Mm -hmm. when they had to fill some time. And so it it wound up getting airplay that way, which was a consequence we hadn't even intended. You know, we just didn't (laughs) feel like going back to the bridge again.
2: You know. Uh, all right, we did Tonight,
0: I Fell in Love, you did that on Warwick, and then RCA, you did Lion Sleeps Tonight, right. and then in 1966, uh, had a top 30 hit with I Hear Trumpets Blow, and that yeah. was on BT Puppy. That was you guys' record label, right?
3: That was our own label, yes, and, and you know... Unfortunately, I mean, I hear Trumpets Blow well should have been a top ten record, and unfortunately, the only city that didn't get on it was New York. That you know, that would have made a difference. Was New York. Hmm. It was number one in a lot of places. Uh, you
0: guys did a lot of songs, and um, that were actually covered by other artists, and some of them you produced. One of them I didn't realize until I was doing this research. You guys did a great version. I guess the original version that was later put out by the Rock and Berries. He's in town. He's back in yes. town.
3: Yes, we did, the, we did the original He's in Town and the original You're My Girl. And B.T., you know, and again, the guys at B.T. Puppy couldn't get it going, you know. And mm-hmm. Carole King was, called us up and said, I have a song for you. you know. And we said, yeah, of course, you know, we were very friendly. I mean, we used to go out to their house on weekends and hang out. And so, sure, of course, do it. <laughs> and it was, it's, it's a beautiful record. It really is. Yeah,
2: it's you a can... beautiful
3: record, and, and it shouldn't have been lost, but it was. Yeah. So the Rockin' Berries got the credit for it after they covered our version, which is exactly the same. It,
0: it sounds pretty much exactly alike. I yep. agree totally.
3: Yep. Uh, you
0: know, you mentioned Carol King there. Let's go back to uh, the chiffons. How did you guys hook up with the chiffons?
3: Well, okay. It's very simple. We had offices at Capitol. Mm-hmm. After we had the Lion Thieves tonight, Capitol Records believed that we had some talent and might be successful as producers, so they gave us offices and a budget. To make records, Mm -hmm. and we made records, and they were crappy. I mean, you know, we (laughs) didn't have a a real discerning taste. We didn't know a lot about producing records, except what we had naturally. We didn't know how to pick material, particularly, you know, and we weren't really good at it. But we were learning. Mm -hmm. See, and what everybody didn't realize that we really were learning when we when we went through our entire twelve thousand dollar budget for recording, and we just and nothing happened. um, we're sitting in our office wondering what we're going to do next. And the, the uh, lady calls from outside. Mildred said, There's a, uh, a group here to see you, uh, you know, and they don't have an appointment. And we were knocking around. We couldn't get to see people that easily, but there were a lot of people that just saw us when we knocked on the door. So we figured we owed that. Sure. So we said, Let's listen to them. So we, we listened to them, and they sang He's So Fine and Oh My Love and all these wonderful songs. And so we figured out the only way we could record them is if we played instruments ourselves on it because we couldn't. We didn't have any budget left. See, it goes <laughs> back to that we learned how to play instruments. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any budget left to hire studio guys to play the date, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, or nor an arranger. <laughs> so we just took the girls into the studio. I was on the drums, you know, we had uh, Hank played bass, uh, w- w- Mitchell played guitar. No, I'm, I'm not even sure, yeah, I think he played guitar, he might have been in school, whatever. Uh, and, we, and we kicked the song, one, two, three, four, we play the intro, and the engineer, and then the girls, then Judy starts singing, he's so fine, and the girls go, doolang, do lang. Mm-hmm. So Johnny Q Cuculo, he was the engineer, he stops the take, he says, look, that's a great thing, that doolang, why don't you start with it? You know. Mm-hmm. So he said, Okay, we'll start with it. One, two, three, four. Bop do lang do and that's how he's so fine became he so fine. Doo-lang- And we went around to twelve record company, and they all turned us down. Every major turned us down. Every label turned us down. Hmm. Okay? We went to Laurie Records. They locked the door and wouldn't let us out until we made a deal. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's so, I mean, how it was, and, and Capital, who we offered it to at first, one guy in the A&R department didn't like the girls' group, and the other guy didn't like the song. How do you not like He's So Fine in the song? I don't, I don't you know. know. That was stunning to me. Yeah. I mean, I, and the girls were terrific, too. Judy had a great sound. I mean, what were they listening for, you know? Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest was history on that, because then it became a big hit record. And, uh, and, and you know, we, we, uh, One Fine Day was uh, delivered to us as a gift by Carol. You know, because One Fine Day, she wrote One Fine Day, mm-hmm. she called me up, she said, hey, I got a great follow-up for the Chiffons, and we wound up using the track, that she had cut for the demo and just added to it cuz it had such a great feel that's actually her playing the piano on that on that session and we you know and the Chiffons had a pretty good pretty good uh, you know
0: they had a good, good run run yes yeah, the, uh, and it
3: also led to Randy and the Rainbows Denise we went in just in an experiment to see what we could get with them and we and we had to cut two takes together of Denise it's not one complete take there's a splice in there hmm. and um but uh, but we, did, but Laurie liked it, and we made him give us a very large advance, which was <laughs> unheard of then, and and that redounded when when they promoted it, and it wasn't happening right away. They decided because they made a bigger investment, is they'd stay on it an extra week,
2: mm-hmm. and that
3: extra week broke the record.
2: <laughs>
3: you know, so how one event affected the other is so interesting in our lives. That and the record became a hit, Denise. You know, yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, the last episode of The Sopranos. Opened up with Denise.
0: This was, uh, um, this was it was the business called Bright Tunes.
3: Bright Tunes Music, yeah, and Bright Tunes Productions.
0: Okay, was this the same Bright Tunes that wound up having to go to court with George Harrison with "My Sweet Lord" and he's so fine? Yes, indeed. Now, were you still involved with Bright Tunes at that time? Yes,
3: I was. (laughs) Well, what happened was we heard we went to the Bangladesh concert. Uh huh. We had, were given tickets by one of the labels or something, and we had these lovely seats, and we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, George Harrison breaks into this song, My Sweet Lord, and I look, at, I looked at I don't know who was with me, I think my brother was with I said, what the heck? That's he's so fine exactly. I mean, it's not even <laughs> trying to hide it, you know? Uh-huh. And I thought that, that it was uh, 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 an infringement on that melody. Well, sure. You know, I said, you know, hey, what is that all about? And so... We, we got lawyers involved and they went to court and, and, and you know, we, we prevailed to a degree. I still am unhappy with that settlement because we should have been awarded the copyright of the song, My Sweet Lord, with a new lyric, with the he so far, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We should have been given that. Sure. That, you know I don't think that justice was done but you know George Harrison was George Harrison it's hard to fight that mm-hmm. so when he sits there and says well I didn't do it on purpose the judge would tend to believe him but I don't think they talked to Phil Spector who knew he's so fine because it was you know he knew it quite well because we were friendly with Jeff Barry and Ellie Greenwich and we used to listen to each other's stuff all the time and he and they did work with with uh, with uh, Phil so you know I mean it, it was it was it was it's a landmark case it's it has its yeah. own it has its own cabinet in the Library of Congress. I oh think.
0: yeah. Well, it just went on for years and years, and it's such a mess how all the parties are involved. You know, like you mentioned Phil Spector, who produced the Beatles as well as George, and then also was involved with with you guys, and then Alan Klein, yes, who was. Yeah, I mean, he, he started out. Copyright. He started out as, in the case as George's right. manager, and then turned around, and he wound up having to sue George also as part right. of the <laughs> I
3: know, I know. It just goes to show. Well, all we were doing was defending our copyright. You know, right. I mean, it was nothing personal. Hey, you did us, you used our melody. What is that all about?
0: Did you ever get to talk to him about it? No, so no I strictly... never
3: got to talk to anybody.
0: You know, uh, let's jump right on into that. Now, how did you get connected with Tony, Tony Orlando?
3: Well, Tony Orlando, when we first started in 61, Tony was hot, he had Bless You and mm-hmm. Halfway to Paradise, and we used to do the same t- shows together a lot, the same record hops when we went into different towns. After, w- after a, you know, we got kind of hot as producers and stuff, Tony's career didn't quite explode yet, and, mm-hmm. and he was looking for something to do, and I got him a job at, at a publishing company, Robbins Feist Miller, to running, running songs,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
3: and... Um, and then he went from there to April Blackwood. So he's at April Blackwood. We make a deal with Bell Records, Larry Utah, who eventually became Arista. You know, mm-hmm. Bell became Arista. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we made a deal to do this song called Candida, which I found, uh, you know, with Erwin Levine and Larry Bra- and Erwin Levine and and, uh, and um, Tony Wine.
2: Something, okay.
3: Something slip away. And, um, and they wrote this song called Candida. Mm-hmm. And I thought, it would, be, it would be great because it would fill a hole of the Drifters, because it was like a Drifters record. Mm-hmm. Drifters kind of cooled off, so we said, let's make a Drifters record. You know, That's why we did the Chiffons it's the Charelles, You know, it's like you pick things up, that you find a hole, and you fill it. So we're going to make this record. We have an artist that does it, and, and, and Bell doesn't like the artist. So they ask us to get someone else. Mm-hmm. So we <laughs> kind of talked Tony into it. Um, um, Hank was instrumental in to helping to talk him into it. And and we do it with Tony. And, you know, we finally say, look, Tony says, look, I have a job. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going anywhere, you know. So we say, it's one record. If it's not, you know, if it's a hit, you'll see if you want to do the second one. If, and we'll call the group Dawn. Mm-hmm. See, what people don't realize is it was not called Tony Orlando and Dawn till wait till the TV show.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It was never called Tony Orlando. Not, not Candida, not Knock Three Times, not even Yellow Ribbon. It was Dawn featuring Tony Orlando, I think it was. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we make the record, and it's successful. And so now, we do the follow-up. Bell, when Bell heard just the rough vocal and the track, we hadn't even put strings on, we hadn't even gone for a, any kind of performance with Tony. Just a rough scratch vocal. They had a party celebrating the gold record of of Knock Three Times before it was even released. That's how sure sure. everybody was. And of course it sold 7 million. You know, they weren't wrong.
0: Now, I'm I'm just doing my research. You played drums on Candida?
3: I I played drums on Candida, Knock Three Times, He So Fine, most of the records.
0: Wow. And, uh, you, uh, I'm I'm just I'm just amazed at all the stuff you've you've had a finger in, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> <that> me too.
3: <laughs> Definitely. Not. You know, I still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. You know, if I ever grow up.
0: Well, Phil Margot thanks for talking with us, and the book is called uh, The Null Quotient, and folks can get that on Amazon, right?
3: Amazon and and Barnes and Noble online. And I thank you so much, Shane, for your time and your patience. And thank you out there, all you folks in Hendrix, for listening. It's a pleasure and a delight.
0: Phil, thank you so much for talking with us, and you have a good one. It's a pleasure. Well, there you go. The late Phil Margot of the Tokens. We will miss him. Thanks for joining us on Central Indiana Today right here at WYRZ.org and 98.9 FM.
1: You've been listening to Central Indiana Today with your host, Shane Ray.